Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We have a great episode today. Uh, I missed most of it. I tuned in for the last five minutes. Uh, I do apologize for uh, some of the audio on my end. I, I jumped on real quick and I've got my AirPods in. And I was worried until uh, Jack started talking and I heard his audio. So this intro might not be the best. It is what it is. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Um, we've got a lot of new subscribers the last month or so uh, or two months. The podcast has really taken off. So if you guys are new to listening to this, thank you very much. Uh, this has been like the biggest growth that we've seen. And yeah, we're really excited for that. So Jack, uh, we just cranked out uh, a huge workout today. Not a huge workout, but a, a hard workout today. How are you feeling after that on Zwift? Oh, you know, a little bit, uh, ego's a little bit, a little bit damaged here, but no, it's all good. It's just, it's, it's one of those days where things weren't clicking, but uh, we've got some hot weather and my garage is not AC. So definitely wasn't really super used to the heat and that, that kind of got me, but I think I was just a bit off in terms of, my fueling as well, or my hydration. So body wasn't feeling too great, but sometimes you push through those days and you just you get a, definitely get some heat training. And then the next time it feels a lot better. So happy to have it done, get the recovery going. And uh, yeah, I was like struggling to stay on your wheel on that, uh, that last tempo section. So you were, you were pushing it good, but yeah, we've had some good workouts here on Zwift. And I think I'm going to keep mostly on Zwift, even in the summer, just more control of the environment, better training, I honestly enjoy it more. Outdoor riding in this area isn't very good and it's kind of stressful. And, you know, for me at this point in my life, I've ridden outside so much that I don't need to do that much of it before a race to kind of feel confident uh, that I'm going to be able to ride well. So hoping to stick with that and yeah, I get lets you train with your buddies who aren't, you know, in the same city. So that's a big bonus as well. Yeah. I, I have to agree with that. Like the training, our, workouts are our um monday thursday workouts on zwift are really good and they keep me motivated and i'm in the same boat as you the riding around here um isn't great like it's fine if you're going out for easy riding the gravel riding is like amazing around here um but it's just it's takes a while to get anywhere where it'd be good enough to do intervals and um I'm much rather just jump on Zwift and hammer it out and train with the guys that keep me motivated. So, uh, but I did have a quite the advantage today. I was in my air conditioned basement with mm. uh, a fan and um, yeah, I was able to hang in there, which is, which is always good. And I did the my thing shout out is obviously outdoor riding has risk to it. And, uh, you know, fellow pro athlete Elliot Bach just got, hammered by a truck unfortunately while riding and he's got a ton of broken bones and stuff so shoot him you know some love and i think there's a gofundme if you wanted to help him out um but it looks like he's going to be okay and he's lucky that apparently the truck was going like 65 miles an hour and it could have been a lot worse so um that's another thing that as a you know every year i get a little bit less willing to take those risks um and that's certainly a factor for me and why i choose to ride inside a lot but i mean some people just hate riding indoors and they get motivated by outdoor riding and that's totally no reasonable. So exactly. Um, and it's not worth it. And when you're driving, think about like, and you're about to pick up your cell phone, think about the consequences of that and like what could happen. And everyone always says, this guy got hit by a truck. This guy got hit by a car. And it's you, there's someone behind the wheel who in that moment was distracted and yeah, caused man. that crash and altered someone's life forever so just think about that um because that's yeah uh, you know we're praying for for elliot and hope he gets better and all these scenarios are are completely avoidable when when cyclists get hit pretty pretty well every one i don't know if i've heard of one that wasn't avoidable so um, and obviously Lauren got hit too. He's just coming back. He's been out for a few weeks, but ne it was nothing as severe as Elliot. So he does, Elliot has a GoFundMe, um, or, uh, might be, uh, something else, but either way, he's raising money for some of his, 
medical costs. So um, go take a look at that as well. Just head over to social media. You'll find it. So it's Elliot Bach and his last name is spelled B-A-C-H. So uh, yeah, show him some love. And this episode though, we're jumping in with Brent. We've had a few chats with him. He's a wealth of knowledge and it's just awesome to hear about, you know, what, what he thinks on current events and what's going on in his career. He has announced that this is his last year of being a professional triathlete, doing this as his career. So, you know, he's been doing triathlon, uh, I believe it was 33 years, he says. So it's pretty incredible. 33 years, the majority of those being professional, two-time Olympian, um, won a ton of Ironmans and 70.3s and, and, you know, um, IT races back in the day as well. So I guess without anything, anything else we need to jump into before we uh, do this interview? Um, nope. I will say one thing. I am finally getting on a start line. It's going to be this Sunday. I'm going to do Leon's triathlon. Uh, hopefully the body holds up for a 10 K run, but I'm pretty excited for that. So just figured I'd throw that in there. Nice. Good luck, dude. You'll crush it, but don't freaking injure yourself either. So give yourself rules and follow them in case something's going wrong, because we want you to keep getting back into it. Exactly. So I'm thinking little by little, you know, I'll, I'll stretch out these healthy periods and they'll just get yeah. longer and longer like they did pre-surgery. So yeah, I went like five years. So, all right. Uh, without further ado, let's roll into that interview. And um, yeah, so here it is. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. This has been a long-awaited episode, and we've been just trying to get all of our schedules lined up to get Mr. Brent McMahon to come back on. The last time you were on was just such a gem. All of our listeners were writing in. I think I got some fan mail. It was written in by some children even. We, we got to hear more from Brent. So how does that make you feel, Brent? Uh, pretty good. You know, Maybe those children are now uh, teenagers now, so they'll... <laughs> They'll, they'll get the answers better now because it's been so long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last time this was dubbed by you. And this is always something I have to defend us for is old man, Brent episode number two, I think or is it number three. This is I, number three now. Old, you don't ask old man, Brent. So yeah. his memory. Is good. <laughs> he says, okay, well, old man, Brent number three, we're just going to go with that. Uh, anyways, I think this is just going to be a good episode for a general catch up. And then Brent, I've got some questions I wanted to fire off at the end of the episode or near the, the tail end of it about, um, you know, the sport, your experiences, um, where athletes can best put their money in terms of buying stuff and nutrition stuff that you've kind of seen coming go over the years, because as we, me and Jackson know, like if we have like a stumping question, we just ask Brent, cause you know, you've done it probably 10 times better than us at least for 10 more years or, or or done it wrong and learn from it so yeah so wealth of knowledge jackson how are you doing good i'm uh you know getting back into the old normal schedule after a bit of a downtime and uh we were all over in st george there and there was a mixture bag of results there and maybe we should start with that like yeah how, how was your first race was it Brent or did you do one before that that I just totally missed? I was, yeah, that was, that was the first one of the season. So, and uh, yeah, I was actually the first one after over six months. So the last time I'd raced was actually back in St. George in the, in the fall and at the world championships. So um, classic, I'll, I'll never take uh, a miss on an opportunity to race St. George, whether I'm ready or not. So um you know, I figured, uh, I was thinking about doing Oceanside and I definitely wasn't ready for Oceanside and decided to go ahead with St. George and just kind of see where things were at. And, um, ultimately, uh, first race of the season for me is always, uh, a mixed bag. So sometimes it goes okay, or sometimes it goes crappy. Uh, I think after years and years of racing, I've almost never had a really good race as the first race of the season. So, uh, St. George was a little bit of good, fair bit of bad, and uh, some some good exercise and good good training. Uh, my my strong suit of transition was actually my worst. So what that, went wrong? That, that was oh, all sorts went wrong. Um, I had to, I had my my race number was in my pocket, 
um, because I'd forgot to put it in my transition bag at check-in. So I put it in my pocket. And so then we're running from swim to bike. It flew out. And then Brennan, actually a guy from Victoria that I trained with, he's like, hey, as we're running beside each other, I think I saw your number back there. And I was like, oh. So then I turned around and had to run all the way back to uh, the end of transition, grab my number. And then I just was like, flustered and I just struggled to get my race top on and my wetsuit off and I uh wait so you still you still like don't just unzip the front and leave the sleeves on I can't I cannot swim in a wetsuit with my sleeves on um my shoulders just don't they just don't like that uh I've tried it and it just my my shoulders end up kind of seizing up and so annoyingly yes i i have to pull it up uh it's it goes against everything about having fast transitions but um but yeah and then uh yeah and then onto the bike i just had uh i just had a rough day just nothing clicked and didn't have any power there and so kind of just got through the ride yeah you knew it was bad when i went by you that was a bad day for both of us (laughs) well yeah there was a when everybody was going by me and I couldn't go with anybody that was, I was like, Oh, okay. It's one of those days. And uh, well, real quick too, on your point to your, your wetsuit with your sleeves and your everything we did the, we did a practice swim together and you basically just, we were like waiting in like 30 feet of water and you just, I'm pretty sure you took off your entire wetsuit, got naked and got back in your wetsuit while treading water. Well, yeah, it took a little while, but <laughs> Cause you were so pissed about the tri suit in your, in my wetsuit. I, cause that exactly. I, I even tried it one more time. I was like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll try it one more time just to see. And I hated it just as much as all the other times I tried it. So I'm like, dang it. I'm going to, I'm going to have to pull up my suit in transition. So I'm still doesn't work for me. All right. So, Sorry. Yeah. So you were, you're on the bike and it looks like on the run, you started to get some legs under you though. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of came around. I was, I was actually really cold coming off the bike. Um, so took me the the whole uphill to sort of get warm. And then on the downhill, I actually kind of remembered how to run. And then, um, yeah. And then the second lap on the run went, went really well and, uh, close some time and, uh, laser focused on your back, uh, as we were going through the golf course. I was like, ah, I gotta, God damn it. I'd get them. <laughs> so, all right. That's fine. I so Robbie Robbie was like I was catching him on the first lap and I think we were like maybe 10th and 12th or something like that and I saw him and he was coming back at me real fast and on the downhill I caught him and I'll be damned if that bastard didn't find like another gear for the rest of the race and then put like another 3 minutes in or no another minute and a half into me and I was so pissed about that. It took me forever to come back. So I was like, when you, you caught were me, about like, more than just that. So you yeah, just... I was pissed about a lot of things, but anyway, um, when Brent <laughs> caught me. I was like, all right, here I go. Here I go. <laughs> I just couldn't go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't click no matter how hard you, you try. It's funny. I had, I had some new friends that, you know, I've gotten to know in the, the complex that I'm, uh, I live at here in Victoria. And, uh, so they, this was kind of the first race that they, they'd watched and, and they were, they were saying, saying to Carolyn after the race, why didn't Brent just ride faster? Why didn't he just go harder? Yeah. That's, that's the answer. Just don't suck as much. Just it's funny what people will say about sports. They don't know about. Yeah. Because like even people who are like, way into like i don't know excuse me like let's say football or something they they might be like why don't they just run faster it's like it's the same in every sport everyone is doing the very best that they can and there's all a bunch of people trying to do their very damn best and some people are just better on the day and then there's some people who are just at a higher level like nobody's just freaking sandbagging out there it's not that maybe like i don't know maybe in people who are doing their first one or something there's like everybody's been there where they're like oh and maybe it didn't go hard enough there but more more often than not it, i went too hard there and blew up yeah but it's just so funny how people even people who know about sports will just like have no idea how endurance sports work yeah well or, or sport in general it's like yeah you know it's just like you said you you are trying hard 
there there's not usually more trying so so brent you've won on that course before and since that course has been around it's changed a bunch what is you like between the i guess the bike course has always been pretty similar they sometimes put a couple of captions grabs in or mileage grabs in there but for the run course which version of the run course was your favorite Uh, because i think you've probably raced all of them was it uh the original one where you kind of went up to Dixie Rock, spent some time up there, and then had that long, nice grade all the way back into town? Or was it when we had the world championship there the first round and you had to like go down that steepest 12% grade back into town? Or is it the current golf course route? Which was your kind of favorite? Um, well, I have never done that that super steep one. Um, I didn't do worlds that year, so I never did that that really steep. I I, from everything that everybody said, no, nobody liked that. And I don't, I don't think I would have liked that. Um, you know, it, it, it sounded pretty awful and, you know, just interrupting your rhythm and, um, yeah. And, and it's kind of just like an ugly part. I, I, I like this course is pretty good. Um, it's nice that it's two laps. Um, you know, you go through town. So I think that's, that's good, but, um i don't know run, running up on the red hills parkway that was just kind of something pretty cool about that and the fact that it was one one loop so you're basically just you know 10 10 and a bit k out turn around and then you just got to get back and so um i don't know the original course was was pretty cool um yeah. for the it's it was pretty hard to beat yeah i kind of agree i did not like that i just only the golf course because it's such a disruption in your everything like you finally kill yourself to get to the top try to open it up a bit and there's all these crazy undulations turns when you're going fast downhill and then finally you get back to the nice straight so that's not my fave jack what do you think yeah i would agree i think the original was the best the first world's course with the downhill it was so steep sucked and then this one this one's solid but yeah i definitely feel like I'm, I tend to run better in like more of a consistent rhythm, whether it's an uphill or a downhill or a flat, but with all the turns and stuff, it kind of interrupts me, but same for everybody. So yeah. kind of interesting. And the thing about this course and like the one thing about, for some reason, any run course where you can't really see, like there's no turns or there's no U-turns or like spots where you can see more than like 20 seconds behind you. Those are just like the most stressful because you're like, you're trying to focus ahead of you, but then you're also like, it's nice to know that as well. Like it's all part of the information, but again, everybody's in the same boat. So it's kind of just adds another element to it. But I like to be able to have a couple of U-turns and see, okay, how am I doing compared to the guys behind, compared to the guys ahead and, you know, just sort of base a little bit of my strategy off of that. But overall, I mean, to run on a golf course is pretty cool uh, mm-hmm. as long as you don't roll an ankle. Yeah. Um, okay. So St. George is done. Brent, you've made a, you know, not a very startling announcement. I think all of us have been wondering how much longer you were going to keep pushing yourself to this level in the sport and transition into other things. And that you've made an announcement. This is going to be your final year, whether that's true or not, we don't care. I mean, so if you come back, we'd love it. If you don't stay retired and it's something that's cool. Um, we certainly like those stories too, but what is your, final hypothetical race schedule and then also what are you transitioning into more of instead of like this high-end competition um yeah so for the remainder of the year i'm uh, off to escape from alcatraz in a couple weekends and then i go on to montremblant 70.3 and yes. then probably oregon 70.3 and that'll just be kind of in the the build towards the Nice Ironman World Championships. And that will probably be, I don't know for 100% sure, but I know I'll be taking a break after that. Um, so that will probably be my last kind of full, full race and end of the year. Um, unless whatever, something changes and I feel like doing another race after that. But, uh, my dad's trying to rope me into, uh, doing Boston with him. So I might have to run a a marathon in the fall. Um, a big deal so that we can, uh, go do, uh, the Boston marathon together. So, uh, we'll got to be getting up there doing a marathon. He's still fit. There's no surprise on that, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, he's yeah. old man McMahon. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm old man Brent, but then there's the old old man McMahon that's <laughs> still 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 running marathons at uh, 76. So, well, real quick, wouldn't some of your Ironman marathon times qualify for Boston already? Well, it might my so again, my dad's really into this, so he's he's done a little bit of research, and I, I think I think he told me the other day that some some triathletes have actually been able to get into Boston based on their Ironman times. Yeah. Oh, um, so that said, like, yeah, I, I, the, cause I think the, for my age oh. category, it's, um, cause I'm way up there. Four hours, I, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the time gets slower when you're way up in the age category. So, uh, my, my age category, it's like, uh, I think it's, yeah, so, something like that, you know, so it's like a, a sub three hour would, would do it. So, oh my God, yeah. So, but most of my, there's only a couple Ironmans that I haven't run under three hours. So, um, there you go. But it'd be kind of fun, maybe just go do a, a marathon because I've never run a straight marathon. Um, yeah. So, so I might, might, I don't, I don't know if I'll, I'll probably end up doing one, you know, like you, like, Brad Caulfield and Tyler Butterfield and Will Clark, all those guys, they're all, they're all doing fast marathons now that they're retired. So I don't know, that's, that sounds like that's the retirement path after Ironman is you, you, you retire for a couple of years, you get fat and then you're like, Oh, I, I need to get back to shape. And so that you go and do a marathon. So. And then eventually uh, you try to requalify for Kona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to get back. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta ask. So you've been doing this for, because you started pretty young as a junior as well. Um, mm -hmm. So you've been doing this for like, what? Like, what? Well, it's got to be thirty, close to thirty years since you've been actually doing some form of triathlon. Is that correct? Uh yeah, it'll be thirty-three years this year. So, <laughs> what I'm like wondering in that is like, what type of, what is it that you love about it so much that like you want to be like because obviously a lot of guys you know like that are great athletes retire in like their mid-30s or even earlier and they're like okay i'm kind of like ready to move the other things but obviously with you you like really enjoyed it so like is it the training is it the racing like what is it about it that just like keeps you has kept you like wanting to do it even even when like you know you've known probably for a few years that like your absolute best races were in your probably 30s mid-30s but you're still competing at a really good level. Like what has kept you going at it? Um, yeah, I think a big, a big part of it is um, I, I, I always enjoyed the training. Um, I just enjoyed pushing myself and the racing was just kind of, you know, the other part of it. Um, so the day-to-day -day kind of grind of it, I, I did enjoy and I enjoyed pushing myself um but in order to stay motivated i also the reason i think i've been able to stay motivated interested and on it for so long is because i i actually didn't just ever solely focus on one sport of triathlon i always mixed in some other format along the way you know so even when i was trying to qualify for the olympics you know in athens in 2004 um, in 2008 and 2012, um, I was actually doing, I did some Xterra racing. And so I did the Xterra pro circuit in the U S for a couple of years. Um, and then between Beijing and London, I went and did some of the non-draft races like Chicago and LA. Um, I also did 70.3 New Orleans, which I won in 2009. Um, so I kind of, like I've always mixed it up a little bit. And I think that for me has kept it interesting and, and kept my focus sort of changing a little bit, you know, obviously through the Olympic cycles, you know, I, I did basically 12 years of Olympic cycles. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. And, and you see that with a lot of Olympic athletes, they, they kind of finish their last Olympic whether they make the Olympics or they don't, they finish and they're, they're just done. Um, because it is, it's just so stressful and dealing with the, 
you know, the bureaucracy of national federations and they, they just get really burnt out. And so for me, I think I was, I dealt with all of that. I definitely dealt with burnout and frustration with my federation, but I was able to kind of get away from it when I went and did Xterra. I, you know, like Xterra, it was just so much fun. It was just such a different attitude around racing. And so, so I gave myself kind of little breaks sort of, even though it was still in the sport, it was a break from what the main focus was. And, you know, and then even so, and after London, when I switched to 70.3 and Ironman, um, you can kind of do that with Ironman and 70.3 by picking different races um, to, to go and do and, and sort of change your, your either perspective, your outlook or your, your goal for that race. And so for me, like, I, I had the opportunity to go over to the Philippines uh, a number of times and race 70.3 um, Cebu um, as well as the other ones that they had over there. And, and those races were always, you know, they were super hot, super humid. And so they were, that they were always my weakness. Um, but they were such amazing events. They were so cool. They put on such a good show. They took such good care of the athletes that it was like just such a great experience. And so I went to that race, not to necessarily try and win it. I just went because it was fun and it was a great trip. And it was like a little bit of a break, you know, cause every year I was trying to win St. George 70.3 North America championships. I was trying to win an Ironman. And so I had all these other races that were highly focused on trying to win but then I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm going to go and do this race, which is fun. There's good people there. I, you know, had a good time. Um, and so kind of giving myself, you know, micro breaks and, and also just giving yourself uh, like just a personal break, like, Hey, it's okay to not have to win a race and, and just be like, do it for fun. This um, is, that's a, a great um, kind of like side topic. I want to ask you about real fast since you mentioned being versatile, well-rounded in it for the fun, the journey, kind of the experience. But right now in the sport, if you look at some of the top winning athletes, it seems like they have to be all in completely committed. There's no room for them to go to Xterra or to maybe kind of just have a race where they know they might be not there at their best, but they want to go compete well at. Now, do you think that that's good? Or do you think that that is bad and decreases the longevity of their love for the sport. Yeah, I, I think it's a double-edged sword. And, you know, I think for some athletes it, it can work if they only focus on winning races and they only race when they're ready to win races. Um, but with that comes risk of disappointment and frustration and, and let down. And so if that's your only focus and that's the only thing that's important, then when you don't achieve that, then it, it get that gets tough to handle. And, you know, whereas if you go, okay, you know what, the goal is to win races, but I can't do it all the time. And, you know, you forgive yourself for that and you go, I just want to have some fun. Um, then that gives you an opportunity to, to be your best at times, but then, you know, let go of some of that, um, either performance anxiety or, you know, life anxiety, you know, cause if you're like, I got to win every race in order to make enough money to, you know, do this and that, and, or make my sponsors happy. Well then, then is that the right, you know, motivation and right, you know, life that you want to lead. And, you know, again, I think for me, that's, that's why I've been doing it professionally for over 20, 25 years is because, I've given myself that break. I've been okay with underachieving um, because it's, I want to, I want to do it and I want to enjoy it and I want to have fun. And sometimes having fun means not doing as well. And that's okay. Um, for me, um, some people, they have a hard time letting go of that, but I think it's, I think it's important that you have to be able to do that because that's, that's reality of sport is even though you may have the ability to win every race, you never know what could happen. You can get flat tires. You can do this or that, or get a crash or caught up or whatever. And so if you can't allow yourself that, that sort of forgiveness to be like, okay, it didn't pan out. 
let's move on. And I think that's, you know, that's been a skill of mine that I've developed and had people around me help develop is basically, you know, forgive, forget, and move on. And, you know, analyze why things didn't go well, figure out what you could have done better, but then you, you just got to move on. Like you can't, you can't carry a bad race with you forever. So uh, I've always been able to do that. It's like, okay, that, that didn't play out. So, all right, on to the next. And, you know, a lot of people after I wasn't selected to the, the Olympic team in 2008 thought I was just, that's it. Okay. Well, Brent's done. And, you know, do the, why would he want to keep going? And it's like, well, yeah, it didn't pan out. Um, I did what I did and, that's how the cookie crumbled. So, well, it's, but, very, it's very Canadian of you and we appreciate that. And also, you know, for any pro athlete right now, there's only so many years that you have on the throne, no matter what, until someone else comes to challenge and knocks you off. So right now that's happening more and more and more every, every few weeks, there's a new name that's set some crazy course record or done something really amazing. Whether it's one of these young WTCS athletes coming over to to long course like Leo Berger and at Oceanside, um, Jackson certainly mm-hmm. felt his sting. So it's like there's there's a lot more than just that one podium. And I think no matter what you do, and Brent and Jackson, you both won races. People are just what do you what's next? Even if you just won a race, all they want to talk about is what you're going to do next. And it's almost like that one fleeting moment of you winning that race. It's so it's so seems so short lived, and does that feel accurate based on my perception? Yeah, I yeah, so. I think so, and I think that's just the reality of um, the media and the marketing right now as well. Is um, just everything is just kind of instant and you know short lived, and they you know like it's back when I was in the beginning of my career stuff magazines stuff was printed in magazines and it took it took a few weeks to get that magazine out to everybody so and then it was in print and it was in print for a long time it wasn't just rolled out you know it it was good for a month at least someone probably reread an article about you on the toilet for months exactly yeah you know, they flip through that picture of me, you know. Yeah. You know? Oh, what the, yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, the interesting thing is now, I don't know how many people read magazines because it comes up and it's all old news. It's like, oh, yeah, I know about yeah. this. So they have to go more into like training tips and different things that aren't necessarily time based. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to back up for a second here, I've already mentioned this on the podcast before, but I want to mention it again. You qualified, so you qualified for the 2004 Olympics. Exactly. That's the, the first time you qualified, right? And then in 08, you didn't. And then you did again in 2012. And yeah. that is that is extremely rare. Like, go look at any sport. Like, that does not happen very often. So that's, like, a huge testament to the attitude you just mentioned. Like, okay, keep moving forward. Like, no one thing is going to just totally derail your attitude and your career and your mindset. And I think that's something that probably, if anything, like to take away from like your career is like you did that probably better than anybody because like that's not easy to do. Most people, yeah, most people would have just quit or just automatically moved on from Olympics. But you were like, no, I think I still got this and you did it again. Like that's freaking crazy. Um, but yeah, give yourself a pat on the back for that, friend. That's that's yeah. hey, friend. We're a big fan, buddy. Well, thank and you. You're still, by the way, like. In, in St. George, before the race, I was talking to Brent, and I was like, I'm going to try to get on your feet and swim. Of course, none of this happened. There was a shit show of people everywhere. There's not nearly enough space. I didn't even know where you were, and I was... We're not good enough is the, the bottom line. I, but, told, I told you what to do. I say, I told you where I was going to be, and I was like, <laughs> come over and don't start next to me just start behind me and you'll you'll be good but i didn't you didn't you didn't come over i just completely completely <laughs> forgot everything that happened and but but montrom law okay all right we got as many people bigger i'll be there too let's do you know calmer water maybe i can all right it. all right <laughs> but anyway yeah that's another thing is to be like it seems like your swim is very close to the, as good as it's ever been still when it comes to open water. And maybe, I don't know if that's true in the pool or not. 
either, but like, how have you maintained your swim specifically? Because that, like, uh, that's the one that I feel like most guys, as they get up into their 40s, the swim falls off first. And maybe that's just training based or like, obviously like Andy Potts used to be like the best swimmer in the sport. And then he's now, you know, kind of more normal in the swim. How have you like kept that level so high? Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. Cause it's like, I, I don't actually train as much as I used to, uh, swimming. So, um, it, what's your, it, what's your it, average weekly mile or distance? Do what do you think now? That's the thing. It, it really, like, especially the last couple of years, it's, it really fluctuates more than it ever used to because my, my training and my energy and my fatigue fluctuates quite a bit more that's what i that's part of what i've noticed in just getting older is um just the inability to to do the same amount of work at the same level that i used to consistently day on day on um so like i'll i'll be able to put together you know either a week or i'll put together a couple of good sessions or a couple of good days but i i used to be able to just do it over and over and over again and now i i just i can't and so typically when i get fatigued one of the first things to go is the swimming um you know i you know like last week i probably swam i swam i think 20k and then this week um just this most we recent week a lot of fatigue tired I, I think i did like 8k of swimming um you know and it was just like and and going into saint george i was doing the same thing but i think part of what you sort of mentioned there jackson is you know when it comes to open water there there is there's a lot of skill involved there and and it's not just based on how fast you are in the pool and that's one thing again that you know years of experience but also how i am as an athlete who's focused on the details and the tactics and the technical stuff is i i, I can get the most out of what i've got fitness wise because tactically i'm always making the right decision uh through trial and error um, sometimes I make the wrong choice, but, um, for the most part, uh, you know, I can make really good decisions. I know how hard to go out. I know where to get the right feed. I know where, you know, which side to go on versus the other. And so I, I probably, I, well, I would, I'm definitely not swimming as fast as I used to for sure in the pool. Um, but for I some, that. uh, <laughs> Yeah, Nick, you were you were kicking my butt in the pool. So you, <laughs> I told you what you you're kicking my butt. You and should that, be on my feet. But what happened? I was next to Jackson for some <laughs> stupid reason. Actually, you were at, you were even behind me at the end of that time. I got out like almost a minute ahead of you. I know my swim tactics are have gone out the window last years. I need to shore those up real quick. We got some yeah. reverse. We got the three levels here. We got. Nick's swim tactics in St. George were real bad. Mine were a little less bad. And then Brent was, we're probably, I'm probably almost as fast as Brent in the pool, but I, I don't know if I've ever, maybe I've gotten down in your pack once or twice, but something I've got to work on. But it's like when you've done, you've got to have done like, it must be like 300 plus triathlons if you're doing it for 30 years. Like you're doing yeah. 10 a year, right? Like you, yeah. you made every choice and learned from it. And that's another thing that, I think people can take away from this and I can is like, if you make a mistake, learn from the damn thing and mm -hmm. don't do it that way next time. And, and obviously it's easier said than done. And sometimes you might make the same choice and it might work. And sometimes you might make that choice and it won't work, but 300 mm -hmm. times trial and error, like you've obviously got that dialed in and you, were you second, you're like second or third out of the water in St. George. So pretty freaking yeah. good. Yeah. Except for, that, except for that bib situation, you probably, yeah. whew. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, hey, don't feel bad. Jackson also forgot to put his bib in his run kit, but I had to make a special visit to transition at like five, like right after they closed. No, it was, yeah. like, it was like seven. It was like getting dark. Oh, it was late. Heather Fur was here, was real nice to meet me there and give me an exception. So that was, yeah. I, you should have let me know. We could have gone together. It would have been fun. <laughs> I know. I, I thought I solved the problem. I, I thought I came up with a great idea, which was, 
I'll put it in my pocket. It's with me the whole time. And then I don't have to worry about it. But it was a good idea. It was a good idea, but the execution just wasn't there. I should have put a pin in the pocket to make sure that it stayed closed. But then you would have never gotten it out. No, no. It'll give it a little yank. It would have been fine. Fair. Um, so, so. Um, Brent, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on all of the bits of nutritional tech, aerodynamical tech. I mean, there's all kinds of shit that's kind of been influenced by pro professional athletes to make game changing, you know, race results, blood lactate testing in your mind. Like, let's just focus on three things that any age group triathlete who has been in the sport long enough, you know, and we're not talking about beginners who could just shave an hour off by just probably hydrating better. Like someone who's been in the sport for a while, what are three things that you actually think are valuable that the technology has brought to our sport that people should invest in? That, that that's a that's a tough question. Can't be EPO. Narrowing it down to to three, or or even just narrowing it down to one's well, like good. Certain things because because certain people will get more benefit out of other things depending on, you know, their background, their type of racing, you know, what okay, they're so to, to show it up one for the swim, the bike, the run and nutrition. So we've got four things. Let's go. Technology. He's like, everybody needs to pay all this stuff. Brent, just yeah. shut him down. Just say it's all bullshit. It's no, bullshit. that's what I want. If, <laughs> if it is all bullshit, then Brent can say that, but I want yeah. one thing for each leg of the sport, including nutrition that you find to you, you would say like, yeah, if you buy this wetsuit, it's real fucking good. <laughs> Was that uh, you, Jackson? It's a come on, I, man. I, I gotta have the go with Jackson here. It's just it all 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 the tech is it's incremental gains. Okay. Um, so there is not there is absolutely nothing out there that is that is going to be a game changer. Not even okay. these $3,000 cockpits people are putting on their bikes right now. It's going to, it's going to make an incremental benefit, but that might give you a minute, two minutes, three minutes, maybe at like maximum five minutes. Um, but what does going and doing, um, you know, a two week training camp in open water swimming going to do? That that's gonna maybe save you twenty minutes. Fair. So that has nothing to do with technology. That's to do with technique and proper training. Um, you know, nutrition nutrition is really the biggest thing um, because that that can make or break your race. And so I think if you're if you're not figuring out what you need personally to execute a race based on your duration and your output and your calorie intake and your sodium intake and stuff like that um you're 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 gonna consistently miss races um and miss your goals because you don't have your nutrition so i think a lot of the nutrition stuff the the testing that you can do for nutrition whether that's sweat rate sodium loss things like that i think those can have huge impacts on your racing and your training because if you're not getting your nutrition right you're affecting your training day in and day out before you even get to the race so so if you're not getting enough calories in in your training or if you're not getting enough sodium in in your training and you're cramping on your long workouts well you're not going to be able to execute your training to a good standard which is going to make you improve your racing so so really um stuff that you add on for racing is going to be incremental train changes because the bulk of benefit is is derived out of training not on race day so you know whether it's elastic laces or whether it's you know this wheel or that wheel or you know these arrow bars or whatever all the main work is done by then so that's just stuff you can spend money on to go incrementally faster to feel good about yourself yeah. And, and if you want to spend money on it, I, I, I think that's great. Like if you want to get the most expensive wheels because they're like, you know, 
22 seconds faster. I, I that that's fine. I, I think there's that that's great because that's that's what you can do. And I and there's people that that it makes them feel good that they've got a you know fast bike and they've got all the the quickest equipment. And if that gives them confidence, well then that has a huge impact on your ability to perform. Because if you feel confident in your equipment, then you're going to feel confident about your day, which means you're going to race confidently. You're not going to have nerves. And so you're going to execute better. So that's more psychology than it is actual equipment. But hey, it's all the same thing. Um, so nutrition, I think, is you know anything you, anything you invest in nutrition is money well spent because that's that's going to have a big effect. You expertly you answered the question. The, you can get all the stuff at the feed.com with Jackson Laundry's nutrition club. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of the feed.com is they they have everything. So you can experiment. You can be like, I want to buy a box of this. I want to buy a box of this. I want to get that powder, that powder, that powder. And you can try it out. And one workout, you'll go, okay, no, nope, those gels don't work. I need to try these ones or this one. And and you can get it all in one place. So yeah, don't do everything all in one day. That is not what we're saying. It's yeah. One thing per time. <laughs> yes. Cause you have to know whether it's that change that worked or whether it's something else. So like this gel gave me diarrhea. This gel yeah. gave me Tourette's this gel oh. <laughs> really. Made me... <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes there's a caffeinated gel that just makes you really yeah. spazzy out there. Yeah. Those more, those Morton 100 milligram. If you put too many of those in your, uh, in your pack, that that's a lot of caffeine in a short period of time. Okay. So <laughs> You absolutely answered my question appropriately as always and did, didn't ever think you were going to fail us. So all that bullshit marketing that may have a little bit of truth into it that makes it seem way better. Don't worry about that stuff as much. But the training, the lifestyle, and everything that you put into your body to keep that machine going is the only thing that matters at the at the crux of it. It's the priority. Start yeah. start there and then add things on top of that because if you're not if you're not doing those those things right first th then the other stuff you add on is is not gonna have that that big a benefit yeah you got a cool bike but it's still going pretty much the same speed still got a shit <laughs> you still, still got, got a what a shit engine <laughs> <laughs> so i know um yeah, at some point you got to head out here. So before, not that I'm rushing you off in any case, but I want to get this question in now, just in case we do run out of time. What are you like looking forward to having more time to do when you're not training as much, racing professionally anymore? Um, or are you still sort of just like winging it? Or what are your plans? Let's yeah, make exactly. Yeah, like uh, I know, and I, and I said it in my post that you know, like I. I will be retiring from full-time racing um, as a triathlete, but I I will always be a professional in in what I do sport-wise, and I'll I'll always be racing. Um, it probably just won't be triathlons, and it'll be other events, and it won't be to make a living from it and or be trying to win the event. I'm sure I'll end up getting into events that I want to try and win, but. Um, but it just won't be my, my career. And, um, because I, I enjoy, I enjoy training. I, like I said, and I enjoy pushing myself. I just don't, I've come to a point where I don't enjoy it enough to have it at the sacrifice of the rest of my life. Um, because that's, that's what it takes. Um, your whole life has to revolve around your training and your goals and that includes the the people in your life as well and yeah. you spent a lot of time away from your wife for sure yeah and and family and you know like i've missed weddings and birthdays and funerals and all sorts of things because um i've been away or i've been here and i just can't go because it's a mass person event and i don't want to get sick and i have a big race coming up and um you know and so so I've, I've enjoyed all of that and I've enjoyed those decisions I've made, but, um, 
I'm at a point now where I, I want, you know, I want to be able to go to all those things and I want to have training not be the priority. And, um, and I'm looking forward to yeah, doing other things and I'm looking forward to doing training and having it not matter. That's what I'm also really excited about. So like going and doing a workout and not caring how it ends up going, like just go for it. And Hey, if it works out great, but it doesn't matter because I'm not trying to win a race or I'm not trying to be, you know, as good as I can be in X, Y, Z. Um, so taking the pressure off of training and, and just being able to exercise and push myself for, for the sake of it. And, um, and that's, the, that's, you know, the, that's the reality of it. And I, you know, there's people out there, there's professionals out there that, Oh, I just do it for fun. And, you know, and it's like, you know, if it's your career, you got to be honest with yourself. There's, there's, there's days you're doing it for the money. You know, like you're, you're, it's, it's, you've chosen it to be your career which means you're making your living from it. And so those days you're doing it for the money. You're like, I'm going out, I'm training, I'm killing myself here because this is how I make money and I got to go and do it. And but in other days you're going out there and you're like, I'm doing it because I love it. And this is just fun. And I'm having a great time. And, you know, any professional athlete that doesn't say they have those days, um, I, I just don't believe it, but, um, it's you, again, that goes back to kind of what I, I said is you have to be honest with yourself and you have to forgive yourself for certain things. And, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to put that all aside and, and just have fun exercising and racing and, uh, focusing on whatever I'm uh, doing next. All right. Two things. One, number one, I took a picture oh, of you at St. George. You've got a good career in professional modeling, whether it be for LL Bean or Guess Apparel. I think there's a future there. Just want I might I might submit it for you. Okay, if you could manage me my my acting and uh, and modeling career, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm good. I manage all kinds of bullshit, anyways. So um, number two, what so. You love St. George. It's a great place. I happen to live there. We got some spare bedrooms and stuff. What if you guys came out and just hung out with me and just trained with me all the time and I, I'll feed you. I want you to be his training bitch for free. And, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take good care of you. I'll make sure you got a gym membership and all massages probably. I'll I'll do them. No big deal. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, I could use some wisdom. Uh-huh. I will, I will be back. Yes, I will. I will always come back to St. George. It's uh, so play, the places that I love on this earth are, are Maui and St. George. And, uh, and they're both places I can get to easily. And, and I'll always be coming back to those. So uh, you can, you can definitely count on me coming back to St. George and like three months, maybe. But you, like this is what, what I'm hearing is you guys need to get off your asses and you need to come up here to Victoria and learn how to swim open water. Yeah, I I know. It's, I'll do it. Even, even if you can't, if you can't, if you come up for like a week or ten days, and we'll just we'll just swim open water every single day. And we've got a mass group swim every Friday morning with seventy people. We we'll 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 just bang it up and just yeah. It's you gotta you gotta do it repetition. I know. I agree with you. I do. I, yeah, that needs to be done. But the other thing that needs to be done is, so you're coming to Ultra 70.3 and in all likelihood that that'll probably be the last time I ever get to race with you. Nick gets to race with you. No, I'm going to go to Oregon too. Okay. So Nick gets that one too, but we got to do some kind of collaboration where we do some video thing or for just for fun hangout after the race. Or just like a little training ride before the race, ask you a ton more questions because we need you in our lives, Brent. I'm just, I'm going to miss you in this sport. We got to get lit and do something. You're going to be still hanging around. So I'll still be around. I'll still be around. I'm going to hire you as my hangout manager, coach, life coach, swimmer coach. You're going to hang out with me. Yeah. Well, Well, hey, you've got to support me. I'm the Canadian. We're going to fight over you. We're going to be like, well, I'll give you this if you come hang out with me and yeah, we'll put them under contract. Yeah, like hey, like I I will I will train with anybody. Like if I get paid to train, I'll do that. If I if I if I don't have to race and people are just gonna pay me to come train with them, 
I'm putting that out there. Anybody out there that wants this me to come train with them, you know, whether it's for a week or if we want to go to Maui, we're going to go to St. George. I'm all over that. I, I like I said, I love the Dibs. trainings. Dibs. I think you've got a huge, obviously, I know you've got a huge wealth of knowledge, but I think there's like a, definitely a, a need for like young athletes to have like obviously role models and people like you, but like just to have someone around who's experienced helps so much. Like, like in town, in in Guelph here, we got a couple of young guys like coming up, trying to go pro in triathlon, and they're you know 20, 20 and twenty two or something, twenty three, mm-hmm. and they're good athletes. But like just having, and obviously we're not as experienced as you, but just having myself and Cody and Taylor around, like they get mm-hmm. to skip so many of those mistakes that we made, and like that's a thing that I I honestly think is such huge value, and like if yeah, literally like if somebody wants to like pay you or even if you're like a mentor and you're like, Oh, I'll go train with this pro squad that the coach pays you to go like that shit helps like a ton. And I've know, got a meeting. I wish I had someone around who was really experienced when I was like early twenties as a mm-hmm. pro athlete to kind of like, you know, bounce those ideas off. Cause obviously my coach was used to be pro and stuff, but there weren't really any like people doing what I was doing long course who like had that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, Brent, we're going to have a meeting this week about i'm going to bring you up in this meeting we're we're going to have an opportunity with real real tie squad to have a bunch of north american hopeful olympians under our roster and see if we can pay you to become a mentor for us and be your first paid client but i'm going to pitch it all right yes and he's done it all he's done the olympics done the long course i don't see modeling yeah yeah, you've uh, yeah. This uh, that's the thing. I, I I love the sport, and I love uh, you know what I also love is you know it it's it's been a very selfish sport, but it's also time now for me to be able to give back and um and be able to share my knowledge. And I've always taken the opportunity to try and do that, and um, but I I want to do it more specifically now, and that's you know now that I won't be racing full time, I'll be able to, I'll be able to do that and put time and energy into sharing the knowledge and training with others and and doing stuff like that. So I look forward to those opportunities coming up. When's your book coming out? When can we announce that? <laughs> It'll be an ebook, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, all you got to do to write a book these days is literally record yourself talking about your life for many hours, and then that you've got like an editor who writes it all out and does it all for you. No, you don't even need to do that. You just log on to AI.com and you yeah, say, give that. my life story, AI. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. have a pretty good amount of information on online. Have you tried that? Like, have you seen what it said? It's kind of crazy. Lance and I were hanging out one evening and I didn't know anything about these AI sites. And I was like, what are these? And he's like, dude, you got to check this out. And it was like, and so we asked, he asked it to like, give a synopsis of Brent McMahon's triathlon career. And it just like, it, it took a while, but it was like, holy crap. It's like, it's, it's pretty darn accurate. And it was like pretty well written. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, if I need to do a, do a bio for myself, <laughs> I'm oh, just going to ask AI to do it. Yeah. That's well, well, Garrick, you just joined us. Sorry, this is the tail tail end of this interview with Brent. You missed a, a good one. Looks like you were getting a haircut. But he gets to listen to it and <clears throat> clip the edit together. Nick said some maybe questionable things you might want to cut out. No, I didn't. <laughs> that, was, that was not bad. <laughs> yeah, it saves me from listening to it a third and fourth time, but um, <laughs> that's all right. I missed the last time, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to catch at least like a couple minutes here. And then uh, I'll be here for the intro and I'll give a synopsis of what I didn't hear. There you go. <laughs> nice. Well, Brent, thank you so much. We're going to have you on no matter what, but even if you're, if you're headlining the Christian Dior uh, clothing launch on fashion week or something, you got it in you, but I know it. You got that, yeah. get that, that's pizzazz. Well, you know what they say is like men, like some people think men get more attractive as they get, you know, 40, like you're getting that, you're getting that like, experience look to you you never know you could have a huge career modeling all right, all right. you've got a fine wine appearance 
<laughs> Nick knows a lot about fine wine, especially port. <laughs> God damn it. All right, Brent, thanks again, bud. We'll look forward to uh, getting our asses kicked even when you're racing the amateur field. Yeah. Well, we'll see we'll see you in the uh Tremblant first. Absolutely. Yeah. Give us give us a good peace out. Come on now. Ready? Oh. See you guys. Thanks for having me. That's it. No, we do the peace oot. You gotta do the peace oot. Peace oot. The peace okay. oot? What is okay, what I'm... is the hip talk? I'm old. What are you guys referring to? It's do you started... want me to say peace out? And like peace out or we all just say it at the same time. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Peace, peace out. out. It's a really dumb thing we do. I'm sorry about that. I don't know why we do it. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, Nick. Nick came up with it on the very first episode, and he's old, so you can yeah. say it. It's not, yeah. <laughs> My hairline would say otherwise. Yeah, I think I think I have the worst hairline on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, Jack and you're still All right. Still... All right got ish to do flying through the sky in my parachute dancing on the couch like i'm tommy cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through